0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Expat Dispatch. We really appreciate that you're taking your time to listen to our podcast. Today we have an unusual episode. Today we have two guests, which means we have twice as many interesting stories, insights and perspectives on expat life in the Netherlands. And I would like to introduce you to our guests, Alina and Artyom. Hi guys Uh, thanks uh, for taking your time to record this episode and just to start uh, the episode i'd like to ask you some warm-up questions can you tell about yourself your background whatever you feel like
1: sharing so that the guests would know and by the way guys i'm also present i'm also here (laughs) Uh, and yeah guys feel free to share any insights any useful information
2: Okay, I will start that. My name is Polina and uh, I come from Moscow, from Russia. I studied in London University, but in the Moscow faculty. Mm-hmm. I was quite an opposition student, I would say. So that's why I don't own a second diploma as my husband does. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, then I've moved here to study urban studies, urban management and development at the Rasmus University, which I honestly found one of the best experiences in my life considering the people that i've met considering the experience that i've gathered and uh, then i've uh, started working at pfizer as a data manager and now i'm speaking like for an interview so this uh, question also uh, brings us to the thing of finding jobs in the netherlands so i've been looking for jobs in the netherlands for one year, basically, so I could share a lot of stories considering this process. And uh, yeah, what I'm now doing, I'm now working as a team leader at the Indian restaurant. So I'm quite an international professional expert, I would wow, say.
1: Wow, yeah, uh, a lot of hilarious experiences and something caught my attention. I think you mentioned your husband, <laughs> who is that mysterious guy? The guy
3: is here, so my name is Sartimi, I'm 24 i'm from russia as well but which part i'm from siberia eventually from the yamal peninsula to be quite exact it's far away we don't have anything else apart from snow and oil and gas so basically that's quite a grim and uh, grayish place to grow up in so at the age of 15 i moved to moscow to study at lyceum at one of the universities. And then I began studying at the university where I understood that I am quite passionate towards teaching people, to, towards academic life and towards gathering knowledge of our role in life. So this is why I found myself after my studies in Moscow, in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And uh, here I was busy with studying history and international relations at the Erasmus University, which I've eventually graduated. And now, apart from my work, at the same restaurant with my wife. I'm looking for a PhD position in the Netherlands.
1: Yeah, cool, so I guess you guys got married before coming here. Yeah, it was so. And you came here almost at the same time to study? So Yeah, we was... came
2: precisely at the same time. So I so just that... came one month later. Because so
1: that cancer. was your plan to escape Russia?
2: Yeah. Because yeah. I understood that I don't want to live there, so I've started to get prepared to move from Russia. That's why I've started to learn English. Uh, I've studied for passing A-levels, but then the Crimea started, and then it was very hard to move uh, financially. Mm-hmm. So that's why I've decided to postpone my moving towards Masters, because it's just one year of studying. And yes, Netherlands are not so expensive as uh-huh. the UK. So yeah, it has been my dream for the whole life to move from Russia
1: Okay, hold on, so you wanted to move away from Russia since you were 10?
2: Yeah, because I understood that that's not my environment and I didn't feel comfortable wow, there
1: that, that's I mean, I'm 26 and Dmitry is 25 I think when we were 10, we couldn't... Couldn't comprehend all the geopolitical (laughs) tensions
0: that are happening at that time. But it's cool that at such a young age, you already made up your mind to move and yeah it's uh,
1: another reference for the succession fans so Palina was interested in politics from the very young age
3: that's for sure <laughs> um, that's true what about you Timmy? i dreamt about moving to the netherlands as well but uh, as a child my so the long story short my grandfather was a seaman and after the dissolution of the soviet union he found himself in the trade fleet Mm -hmm. So he used to be in the Netherlands quite sometimes in Rotterdam because the city is famously known to be the second largest port in the world largest Mm -hmm. port of Europe, the gates of Europe, Mm -hmm. the other way around, so to see And uh, yeah, he told me about this weird land, quite weird land, quite weird place considering that Rotterdam in the years of 90s was quite a tough place to find yourself in I would say that I had quite a very interesting made-up picture by my grandfather. Weird country with rain with pedantic people who do love to swear a lot, smoke cigarettes a lot, and drink a lot. So eventually I thought as a child, okay, that sounds like Russia, but with a different climate. Mm -hmm. Mm, From the perspective that I have now, I can say that I was quite wrong. (laughs) But I will tell about that later. The thing is that, yeah, while growing up, I understood that like... The, not only the political situation in Russia is changes, but also the possibilities to do something within the academic world, within the f- free research, so to say, the possibilities of that becoming so tiny, so minuscule that in the end of the day, at, at this moment, for example, there are no such in Russia. So I planned moving basically because of that, considering that if you want to do the research, especially in the humanities, you cannot basically stay there because your possibilities would be narrowing and narrowing and narrowing throughout every single year you are there. I I can absolutely understand that because my background is
1: also from the social sciences, from the political science. And uh, yeah, I could feel uh, back in Russia, how the pressure is becoming stronger and stronger on the freedom of Everything basically, but yeah, in my case, I didn't want to pursue the career in academia, and I guess for you it was even less choice to come here. But also, as far as I know, spreek
3: in Nederlands, yeah, absolutely. Graag, I spreek well Nederlands. <laughs> the thing is, this is literally my 5th taal Die graag speak here. Die and die heb ik helemaal op de floor van mijn restaurant here. Ja toch. Dus, uh, <laughs> <dus> <laughs> yeah. maar, uh,
1: maar uh, kan ik uh, sprake uh, leaf animals. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a problem. Okay, then go on. Have you been to the Netherlands before moving here or quite a lot. Quite a lot of times. So my my childhood friend Daniel, who is already Dutch citizen. He lives here f- since 2015. I came here and uh, since 2017, I've been in the Netherlands 11 times wow. prior to moving here. <laughs> so I would say that I was quite accustomed with the land. I quite understood what is happening mm-hmm. here. And I had quite some ideas about the land and to which I was moving. To. But so- I guess once
0: you moved uh, completely to the Netherlands, there are some aspects that you were not aware of, even though you traveled here before multiple times but when you moved here you probably realized there are so many things that came as a surprise
3: right yeah indeed of course because the tourist experience and the experience of like Mm -hmm. long-term residency are quite some different things you have to basically build up your life again in a country that is not only different in terms of culture and language, but also is different in the basic aspects of life, beginning from the the medical system in the country and, say, tax system, you have to learn everything once again from the very scratch. Mm-hmm. But not only this, but there is an additional problem, which is the immigration law, which are the rules that decide whether you are up to stay in the land or to leave. So this is another aspect in which I found myself in dire need to, un- to really understand and dig deeper into it so I would say that as a tourist you can miss so many things particularly about the land in which you are now you can be there of course, no problem but it's one thing and when you are moving here that's another thing and, yeah. so this is not a good start uh, now that is precisely the thing Kijk, the start is not a good land well. oh yeah 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 that's, <laughs> that's That's not about the country per se but about the state um, but yeah <clears throat> yeah yeah i
1: mean i think it's the case in many countries of course um, ours
3: is not an exception
1: yeah i guess uh we are just people who cannot uh, help but have a <laughs> l- critical mindset <laughs> towards things and even uh, moving to a country where the social sphere is much better than in russia uncomparably better still we can see a lot of loopholes i think we'll talk more about these topics
0: but for now i just want to ask you in what capacity you came to the netherlands initially were you a student or where where did you study here and what what program did you pursue
2: i've came here As a student, yeah, to study at the master's in urban management development, as I've already mentioned. I had an experience in urban consulting for a year in Moscow. So even though my primary, yeah, same as Sergey, by the way. (laughs) And we actually worked nearly at the same team, but in the different times. So it's Mm -hmm. fun. Uh, Yes, but uh, returning back, I've studied at the international relations, but then I understood that it's quite a narrow field of uh, things to do and of commercial. year building and also it really depends on your nationality where you work and again I didn't want to work in Russia so uh, I have decided that uh, yeah after working for a year at Strelka I really enjoyed uh, urban planning and uh, I've decided to pursue my master's here as an urban planner and then to find a job here again and, uh,
1: how can you evaluate your educational experience here
2: I would say that I've expected more but I think that again both integration and about different aspects of studies. So you expect things to be much better than they really are mm-hmm. because our expectations are too high. But I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say it was bad, but I thought that it could be much better.
1: Yeah, so I guess the general advice, be careful with the uh, kind of visual thinking when yes. <laughs> moving uh, anywhere in the world.
2: You need to be a realist, 100%, not yeah, to yourself.
1: Just a side note, Palina actually was a student representative. So she won the elections with my help, of course. <laughs> yeah,
2: we intervened in the <laughs> yeah, I mean, elections. <laughs> I
1: just have a, I just have an experience in political science They <laughs> couldn't implement it in Russia. And uh, yeah, just after a few weeks, after I moved here in the Netherlands, I experienced my first election elections which were unfair so yeah i just intervened and decided that we need to redo them and basically i stood my ground and Paulina, and then got her place in the student council
2: yeah but i would say the administrations are still the same bolson russian here (laughs) you know because the the people still behave themselves and they're still not very responsible for the things they do
1: People are just, yeah, anywhere in the world you can find um, all the good and
3: bad examples. Yeah. But um, what about you, me? So, I was studying here, well, history, history. and international relations with, uh, with, of course, more focus on history because I consider that my favorite sphere of science, I guess. If it's fair to say sphere of human activity, to be quite exact. But yeah. Well, I enjoyed that. That was in comparison with the studies in Moscow. Uh, This was definitely the next level stuff. Mm -hmm. I have to admit that one year is definitely not enough for this Mm -hmm. kind of master that I had, because this was the research master. Mm -hmm. And uh, in a year, you have to conduct quite a serious research on a very narrow topic Mm -hmm. that would, in turn, be of great influence for those who are planning to go further with their phd studies for example yeah and actually
1: so, i think it's not only the case with your program because even with our program i felt that one year maybe not really enough because yeah, we had 100%. some courses that were really short
2: two weeks uh, courses <laughs> no, yeah. there
1: were even one week courses i believe speed yeah, running yeah, the yeah. courses basically uh, yeah, yeah so and as far as as i know and heard uh it used to be a two-year program yeah. But I guess for the efficiency, for the sake of it, because of the high number of international students, they made it to one year. And yeah, we already mentioned it many times in our previous episodes. But I think we had a bit of different expectations coming here. Because at least all four of us, I'm sure about Dimitri that much, but three of us definitely wanted to try to stay in the Netherlands. And it turned out that our program was not really help, not very helpful in that regard. But it
2: wasn't helpful at all because it was still focused on uh, international urban problems and yeah. we never had a project in the Netherlands. Yeah, but despite
1: all of that, we are yeah. still here almost after <laughs> a year. We are defining our way in the Netherlands. So speaking of which, um, what is the current state of affairs of your job hunt or whatever you're doing right now?
2: Uh, I have... 800 rejections.
1: 800?
2: 800, 800
1: really? rejections. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. Maybe 801, to count them?
2: <laughs> no, I, I think it was around 800, but I have a nap where i so where i basically so
1: basically half of the, the dutch market knows you already
2: yes half of the dutch market actually knows me already i think you Sergey again
1: polina competes for, for the well <laughs> <laughs> the most well-known
0: person among yes, and the, <laughs> most,
2: <laughs> the most well-known rejected person yes so i would not say that it's a positive experience but i would mention that before moving here also about expectations i've expected that it's mainly english language that is required on the job market because Mm -hmm. the dutch language is not so popular overall and also every dutch person speaks english so yeah i thought that why do i need to study dutch
3: it seems like artemi one really wants to intervene
2: do you want to intervene
3: Uh, it's a big mistake to say that the national language in the country is not needed (laughs) to, to be quite exact first of all in every national country.
2: I mean at the professional level.
3: Okay, but uh, imagine yourself Russia in which you cannot speak Russian while you are being in charge of a big labor collective so to say how come this is that's the uh, thing so
1: yeah but, but it's not a really good comparison because the uh, Netherlands have one of the highest levels maybe the highest knowledge of english outside of native the... native speaking countries yeah. and i guess in russia it's maybe 10 percent or something i think
2: you're in less
1: <laughs> no i mean i totally understand what you're saying and basically there is there are Entire sectors of economy, which rely on almost only English, such as IT, but not only. And all the things were more related to public sectors, maybe to the local clients. Yeah, that's a very common thing we hear on almost on a daily basis. You need to have a fluent Dutch.
2: Yeah, and fluent is the most important thing because, for example, I'm now passing the B2 exam here, but it's still not enough for the Dutch, uh, and that sounds
1: crazy words. because I, I mean, you li- you really put an effort to learn Dutch, and I'm also learning it, but I'm more like just, just doing it. And I'm not so passionate about it, so I think I'm maybe around B one, best. And yeah, you're aiming for sea level soon, and still you you have rejections based on that, uh, which is kind of strange for me because we can easily tell that the person is trying to do his best and to improve the language. And you're still asking for the fluency. So how should he or she achieve it? I think you have the most credibility among
0: all of us to speak on that topic. Just tell us how you've been able
3: to master Dutch to that impressive extent. I would say that I use the the rule, uh, the unspoken rule that my father gave me. If you <laughs> want to learn the language, at the at the face the space possible, you are going either to work in the hotel or restaurant or at the construction site. These are three places in which you would be really forced to speak the language. You could also sell drugs. Uh,
2: oh yeah. <laughs>
3: But, but it doesn't correlate with studying <laughs> more language because in the Netherlands I assume you would be selling more drugs to people who are able to speak English yeah. But yeah, nevertheless Yeah, I think you have to, well, the mindset that I pursued in studying the languages did you, stu- the, did you
0: start studying it while you were still in Russia?
3: Yeah, in a very basic way, but I think I, I also have quite an advantage with the Dutch because German was my fav- mm. was my first foreign language So I started learning German earlier than English and uh, yeah I think the profound foundation with the grammar for example helped me a lot even though Dutch and German are quite different languages with all the stuff yeah but the grammar is quite similar as far as I know
1: yeah I mean the the logic the 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 grammatical logic is is very similar but I can relate because I also studied German in school and actually for the first few months when I was trying to gain some basic knowledge of dutch i was most of the time switching to some german pronunciation so that's all that's also
3: works in the opposite way mm. so can uh, continue please so uh. so yeah i mean if you want to study language the very face space just put yourself in the conditions in which you would be forced to speak the language because it is quite seducing in a land where like n- approximately 95% of the population can speak english pretty good i and when i say pretty good then i mean very good uh, can speak english it's It's very easy to speak English around, so you wouldn't be really forcing yourself to speak Dutch out of your personal comfort, basically. But at a place in which you have a lot of people, different people, different age groups, etc., etc., you have to pick up phone all the time, especially during the busy evenings at the restaurant, and talk to people in Dutch, most likely in Dutch, because... This is the first things that you hear when you are picking up the phone. Mm-hmm. And in these conditions, you can basically pick up Dutch more and more and more and build up the understanding of the language and the usage of the language in a correct way. Because the examples are everywhere around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a uh, very
1: uh, <clears throat> good piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, yeah, I guess I just want to ask you, were you? Did you have any fears in the beginning? That yeah, people
3: won't understand you, or you won't understand them. No, to be quite honest, I don't have such a fear because I would be trying to speak, even though I know that I could be speaking incorrectly. Mm -hmm. I would be trying to speak. That that could be just my mindset and self-programming, so to say. But I assume that this is exactly the way in which you are losing this blocking uh, habit, so to say, when you're imposing a self-block on yourself to speak the language. Like, if you can and if you think that you might be understood by somebody, then why not trying? You are not getting beaten for that. So that's the most straightforward way of thinking in this case. Mm -hmm. Just try to see if people will understand you and correct you at the same time, you will just get get some profit from that. Yeah,
1: just based on my experience, just in everyday situations, if you try to speak Dutch and you hesitate somewhere, they immediately switch to English. So that's also a problem might be a problem but yeah let's talk more about your experience of the job hunt here in terms of the approaches you tried so how it was changing throughout last year i guess when did you start
2: i started last april i guess Mm
1: -hmm. all right so it's been more than a year now so can you like give an overview how it was in both of your
2: cases in my case it was just a simple linkedin or indeed job hunt or Mm -hmm. networking job hunt Yeah, so basically the only things that I did, I've constantly improved my resumes, I've constantly improved my cover letters and basically from like writing a cover letter in three hours, I've finished at writing a cover letter in like 10 minutes, basically, <sighs> wow. because you don't need a lot of time to do that. So I get a lot of job hunting experience. I can also
1: compete with you on that.
2: <laughs> you can ask GPT G- 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 to write.
1: Now that's the case, because I just fed up. I cannot do it anymore.
2: Yeah, I understand that. But yeah, basically, I would say that I've tried all of the... Official non-official approaches. I've also tried to apply to and uh, start a visa through the facilitator But yeah, it also didn't work out because uh, I wasn't chosen for a contest But there is a case that I'm only 23. So I don't have a lot of like working experience So I'm not so trusted with uh, finding my own startup, I guess So yeah, I would say that my experience was uh, pretty usual as for this the people just uh, using all the job hunting networks mm-hmm. but yeah i would say that's probably if you have someone whom you know and who has a job he can propose to you then it will still be more helpful because then you ha- you can have a direct contact mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah i also was uh, invited to a lot of mm-hmm. interviews and i had a lot of interviews so yeah
1: Mm-hmm. and don't you have any sort of a burnout
2: i have a burnout and actually it happens i think every like one month when for one month you're actively trying to find everything applying to like 20 jobs a day at least and having four or five interviews a week and then everything doesn't work out and you have only rejections it doesn't matter how hard you try then you really have a burnout. But uh, yeah, I would recommend always uh, keeping back on your feet mm-hmm. and standing back because burnout doesn't help and you cannot, your job will not come to you. You still need to find it. Mm-hmm. So if you don't do anything, then it will not find you. Yeah,
1: but I guess you also need to be careful uh, with yourself. What about your time? I guess you were not so active in terms of looking for the market jobs. You were more
3: oriented towards the academia. Yeah, considering my experience and my wish to study further to get like to get higher academical degrees i was looking for the work in academia or for the phd programs i've applied to several phd programs already so i'm waiting for the reply from one (laughs) academic phd program at erasmus university transforming societies to which i'm writing a phd proposal right now to well a deeper one so just to provide them with mm-hmm. the, not only with the proposal, but to give a presentation as well on the idea and to show that I have already done quite a bunch of work. that. Mm-hmm. But overall, the situation in my sphere, exactly, that's the, well, the history and to be quite exact, modern history, everything is quite bad. So the Netherlands, first of all, I have to admit that it's not the country that is quite good option for those who are focusing on humanities mm-hmm. if you are looking for postgrad programs or like doctoral researchers in the in the stem field for example yes science engineering and technical stuff natural sciences medicine everything that is that is for sure a good option in the netherlands in the netherlands you can definitely find something for yourself but what considering the humanities no Mm -hmm. it's definitely not the best option but you, you you need to realize if you're looking for the job in academia, you obviously have to look which universities, which uh, fields of sciences are being well-funded in the country. Considering that uh, I can freely say that in the Netherlands, the domain of history is under basically, and it's very hard to find the doctoral position or the doctoral studies in my exact sphere Mm -hmm. i can i can speak only about that because i'm not from the other sphere and i uh, basically have not that profound understanding of how is this with the other doctoral programs or academic jobs Mm -hmm. outside of my own sphere Mm -hmm. so you have to understand that but with the rest regarding academic jobs not the research positions it's also not that good because my main experience that I had is tutoring. I haven't been employed at the university officially because, well, working at the university in Russia means that you would be working most likely in the state-funded organization that has its own rules in which you cannot go on with the researches that you want or you are specialized at basically you have to comply to some spoken and unspoken rules basically to censor yourself and uh, instead of this I prefer to just to be a private tutor just not to comply with the with these unspoken rules and uh, academic censorship and basically be to do what I can in my life to teach people
1: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah um, I can only wish you best of luck uh, with finding... Um... researcher position for yourself here in academia because I've actually I've also tried my way and research a couple of a few months ago and funny enough I applied to more than 10 PhD positions positions here in the Netherlands some of them in the social sciences some of them in urban studies related to my masters and I was not even invited for the interview anywhere And the only only place where I was invited for the interview and uh, was invited to write a proposal was shortlisted was in Belgium. (laughs) And yeah, that's a whole different story. And actually, I think, yeah, it's definitely not easier to find a job in academia in like PhD sphere than on the job market. Because I can only tell from my rejections, which were actually detailed, that, for example, in good universities for one PhD researcher position and here in the Netherlands and Belgium they have this system of PhD researchers which is basically a job because you're also working on some project and you're teaching you, yeah you're teaching, you're working on a project, so you're going to the workplace, you're also being paid, you you have a salary. So yeah that's a very cool combination. But as I was saying with these rejections, for example in good Belgian universities and in some, some of the Netherlands for one position there could have been more than 150 applications which is insane so yeah that's a very very competitive country and state in many aspects yeah i think netherlands in general is quite competitive when it comes to
0: internationals there is a lot of talented people and quite limited amount of space do you guys um, agree on that
2: I would say that I totally agree on that and that you never, you need to not forget that there are a lot of Dutch people who have uh, good university degrees who have two or three masters and several bachelors because majorly they study until they are 28 mm-hmm. and then they start working so they get uh, the internship experience, they, they get horeca experience and only then they start working. Because, uh, yeah, they can allow it for them. Mm-hmm. So you never need to forget that there are a lot of such people on the market and they look much better to any of the employer mm-hmm. than U.S. and international. Yeah, are. and
1: apart from the Dutch citizens, there are also all Dutch other Europeans. European, yeah. Europeans yeah. who can also, some of whom can afford having three masters, you know, that people yeah, and in Who person. don't yeah. need to get their visa sponsored. Uh, yeah. It's also yeah. an yeah. advantage. No, I mean... And speaking of which do you think that's that's one of the main issues in the process of finding a job that require to sponsor a visa for you
2: as far as i was told in the majority of the interviews one of the major problems is not even dutch but the working visa because they cannot take such large risks on Mm -hmm. the company so even though there were a lot of companies which were a erkend referent so they are allowed to make a visa and basically they need to make a visa otherwise the status will be rejected from the ind mm-hmm. they still don't want to give you working visa so they would ra- uh, rather give it to like top management mm-hmm. than to the junior specialist yeah
1: mm-hmm. i mean it's understandable in the case of top management and maybe just some senior positions but why do you think it is a risk for them if, you, if they can see that you are talented that I don't know just a uh, hard-working person
2: honestly I, I believe that the majority of my uh, hr managers with whom i spoke they didn't even know about that process and they were just they heard working visa and they were lost mm-hmm. in what they can do because uh, the majority of them were like we don't know if we can provide it i was like you can provide it because you have the status mm-hmm. i've checked it on the website of ind mm-hmm. they're like yeah okay Uh, we will check it with the management and Mm -hmm. then they're like they're not speaking for three weeks and then it's like yeah sorry there were better candidates so bye
1: yeah yeah i mean i guess it's almost anywhere in the world when you're coming from abroad you have more obstacles than the locals but yeah maybe let's switch gears a little bit Um, um, let's
0: just talk a bit about more general topics like cultural Mm -hmm. observations um what do you guys think of netherlands do you like it here how's yeah, been uh, your like you've been here for almost two years uh what can you m- m- say about the country the people
1: maybe not only cultural but also some of the political uh observations in yeah. terms of that as far as i know and i guess it's not a secret you guys are not in a very big favor of the neoliberal capitalism as to say and this country is one of the trend keepers how what's the word trend uh, trendsetters trendsetters well but the taxes here are quite high for a neoliberal uh, state yeah yeah so
3: let's discuss it's not a very uh, straightforward topic so i mean the degradation of the government begins when this government is being sitting at the same place with the same people that are rotating the posts for 12 years already. So I think the, the problem should be... The, okay, I will go the other way around. The problem of the Netherlands politically should be sorted in the Dutch demographics because what the Dutch demographics create is the result of the aging population, what you are getting if your country with the, sta- with the aging population and with a very low birth rate. So the thing is, it's not a secret that the Dutch have one of the longest life expectancy in the world. Just a bit of
0: statistics. <coughs> Currently, the fertility rate is 1.55 and the replacement rate, as far as we know, 2.1. So there is a big gap between these two figures
3: and that creates a lot of problems. And for judging from flat demographical data, we can freely say that the population of the Netherlands is aging and the aging population converses towards more conservative politics. This is a very mm-hmm. uh, very widespread rule. Uh, I helped to write one of my students uh, in their term paper on the, on the party politics in Western Europe, which included five countries for the analysis. These were the Netherlands, Belgium, France, Germany, and Austria, even though Austria is not Western Europe, it's Central Europe, but still. And uh, in all of the five countries, there is a very evident trend of more centrist, more right centrist shifting towards even right-wing politics which is exactly caused by the aging population and the growing transfer conservatism so considering that this is the biggest problem of the netherlands i wouldn't say that the old people are per se but the growing conservative attitudes of the population as you can see Rutte has been in power for 12 years he is not anymore (laughs) not anymore he left the (laughs) house politic as they say he left the hagen politics and meaning that he has stopped his political career on the on a very uh, remarkable position as the longest standing prim- prim- prime Minister of the Netherlands. And basically, what has happened with the Netherlands is, well, the th- almost the same thing that can happen in every country, where one just one party is being the ruling party for quite a long time. You, you don't have any reforms. You don't have any progressive steps. You don't have any, oh yeah, overall, any political process in the country. You are just sitting on a certain political position, trying to get more votes. You are just becoming not policy seeker, but office seeker, speaking in the political sense terms. So and yeah, this I mean, is the main country. Uh, this is the main problem in this country. The considering the aging population and their conservative views. the The dominant political party, the ruling party, would obviously converge to the old voters, trying to get their votes. Hence, correcting its policy and its proposed politics towards their views closely. And considering that the young population of the Netherlands is not that big and apolitical, according to my empirical, mm-hmm. well, empirical observations that I am having. I'm working with quite a range of people in different ages, and I can clearly see that Dutch young people are apolitical. They mm-hmm. have all the rights to vote. They they are living in quite a competitive country in political terms, but they just abstain from voting. They are abstaining from the political life in the country, what influences mm-hmm. the party politics and hence overall the political course of the country a lot.
1: Yeah, I guess actually most of the trends you mentioned they can be observed. Um, in Europe and not only such as the ageing population and the small interest in politics for the younger population. Do you think there are some positive changes on the horizon with the change of the Prime Minister upcoming and new elections?
3: Well, I do have quite, no, well, quite, <laughs> quite d- directly opposite opinions, two, two in one, so to that say. That was from, actually a very,
1: one... very provocative question, because I yeah. knew that you are going to answer like that.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, because on one side, you have the possible successor of Rutte, which is a very interesting personation in Dutch politics. You have Karoline van der Plas from Baby Bay, and the movement of the, the of, the, the r- of the farmer citizens, yes. And you
2: yes. need to mention that the farmers have already won the elections. The, the water
3: elections. Yeah, yeah,
2: the water election and it's the province elections. It, don't, it was water <laughs> elections only for us. So they already had their place. And we see the perspective that the dutch people share and i think it's also important to mention that if you do like some kind of social study of the comments under nos like political videos you would see a lot of interesting trends that people are so i would say insanely right wing sometimes mm-hmm. that's for example the successor of uh, mark Rutte She's a, a Turkish immigrant uh, mm-hmm. from the Kurdish family, yeah. but yeah, despite that, she fl- fled from the country as an as a refugee. She now is for prohibiting the family reunion of the refugees. Ah. So yeah.
1: that was actually the most sensitive topic after which the. The, yeah, the coalition. The coalition. Yeah. Broke
3: about, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, she, and that's the thing. The yeah. Fave, they want to continue the party line in this regard, what is absolutely weird. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, according to the latest polls, maybe they're not the most precise one. I just found them. The two most su- uh, supported parties this month, last month, maybe, are the FFD and the Farmers' Party. So, so yeah, you say them, it yourself. Yeah, and both of them are right-wing. So how do you feel guys about that in general? That's
3: what I want to see. The second opinion that I have in regard to the Dutch politics from one side I believe that everything would be just worse, basically worse because there is like a huge-ass potential for the things to grow Just, just basically worse. But on the other side you are having a possible coalition between two biggest centrist left-left parties of the Netherlands, namely PVDA mm-hmm. and GroenLinks, the the labor party and popular. the, mm-hmm. I mean
1: and the green leftists. I guess each of them has like around five percent or something of the. I, mean, I don't know. It's hard to say i'm not i don't do social polls around so yeah i cannot tell <laughs>
2: yeah i would say that if you ask young people they're like yeah are good but we're still not going to vote for them mm. because we're not going to vote for anyone so they still support but they don't want a uh, vote and that's the problem i think yeah
1: but uh, yeah just in general guys how do you feel uh coming from russia and being interested in politics from the very young age <laughs> knowing all the shit show that is happening in Russia and it's only worsen, worsening and basically I guess well, one no, of the like primary reason why you left the country was a political situation. So how do you feel here when you after a couple of years living here when you experienced it like basically on your personal experience and you see all the downsides have you became more pessimistic in that regard or
3: how do you feel not not really like it's also a very tricky question double-sided from one side of course i've become but th- that's the trend that is elsewhere in europe first of all everything including political situation in the countries immigration politics etc is becoming just stricter and worse but at the same time the Netherlands is not taken apart in the largest war since the Second World War, for example. Okay, yeah. Then, at the very least, this country is not invading the other one, for example. Like, just consider if the Netherlands would attack Belgium. That's like literally this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. The, this country is not doing such things. And the domestic politics of the Netherlands is the the unfortunately, but is the matter of the Netherlands. And I am as as non citizen of the Netherlands. I just have to comply with the rules that are here Here. Mm -hmm. I can express my opinion freely and that's what I like in this country actually but I cannot influence the domestic politics and I'm just the rule taker Yes and just a
1: side note I guess I can speak on the behalf of all of us because we're all Russian passport holders and we kind of criticize the Dutch politics Dutch political system but we just do it from the best intentions and uh, yeah to come to the best outcomes if for the broader audience even though we clearly realize that Russia is a fascist state and, uh, yeah, Russia is in charge of the... Um, I think, yeah, it's just a pure fact the worst war within the uh, Euro borders after the World War II. Exactly. Yeah, yes yeah.
0: we can talk a-, a lot about politics. We can even record a whole separate episode <laughs> where we just discuss politics. I think it Does, would be For quite what we were studying <laughs> for, mate, it's like... That's... Yeah, you wanted to add something, Polina?
2: yeah i just wanted to add that uh, it's uh, important to say that you should always criticize the things happening around yeah otherwise that's they will true. not change
1: that's true that's how you improve things yeah, yeah. And that's that's the best thing you can do in the netherlands there's absolute freedom of speech you can say whatever ask you
0: about your future plans what are your aspirations for the upcoming
3: year Maybe three months, let's start. Not it. to yeah. die. <laughs> not to die, okay. At least <laughs> yeah. to, no, not, not to find yourself under the bridge. <laughs> like, uh,
2: also, good mention. Yeah, but no. Wait, a life of it. But no, honestly, no idea. We're like in a very uncertain situation, I would say, because our visas are ending in a month. So basically, we have a month to find anything uh, we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, in case we cannot, we will still uh, try to get here. I'm now, for example, applying for a university degree in Dutch because mm-hmm. I thought that the best way to learn Dutch on the professional level is to study the subjects you're going to work in, in Dutch mm-hmm. because that worked for me in English and yeah, my dream combination is to study continue working as a team leader for like more administrative stuff and at the same time developing my own school for applying to the universities and for english like university and academic english mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i have a lot of plans I would say.
1: yeah that's actually yeah that's very, super interesting yeah uh, absolutely agree and i can only wish you best of luck especially uh, since we are in the same boat, <laughs> kind of, because my visa also expires soon. And I hope all of us will be able to stay around. You guys want to add something as closing yeah, lines? Yeah, what about you? What's your plans? Uh, my
3: plans? I would be continuing just applying for PhD positions all across the Europe. I would be rather focusing on Eastern Europe and the countries of Eastern Europe, because the academic positions in the issues and topics in which i'm interested are rather quite more often to be found there rather than here mm-hmm. so that's the most logical thing to do learning programming languages and especially data analysis in python that's mm-hmm. that's what i wanted to do because it's very applicable and I find it nice and also applicable for my further research because Python mm-hmm. also provides you with great tools for text analysis and sentiment analysis, which is needed to analyze news, yeah, text and etc. Data scrapping. Uh, data scrapping, <laughs> text mining, etc. 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 Of course I will be trying to stay in the Netherlands as as hard as I can because I really devoted too much time and too much efforts for this country i like this country even though it's not ideal there is no ideal place in the world first of all but even it's not ideal i would love to stay here and do my best to secure my place here Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
3: only can wish you best of luck and we also need to
1: keep in keep in mind we kind of maybe clarify for our listeners that it's not an option for us to, to turn come back. To return to back to, to Russia For many reasons But primarily Just because It's in the state of war <coughs> Yeah Thank
0: you guys For coming For small podcast In this small studio
2: Small country Small country <laughs> small, small apartment
1: <laughs>
0: Sharing your stories it was interesting Yeah Very insightful In terms of the politics And all the Perspectives that you shared Thank you so much again And I wish you Personally, best of luck.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> failed success. Uh, Dank wel, toch. <laughs> it cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap up.